Welcome to Women in the Arena podcast, the podcast celebrating women doing extraordinary things in plain sight. I'm your host, Audra Egan, and our mission is to elevate the value, strength, and resilience each woman brings to the world. Without further delay, let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me again this week. This week, we have a rare treat. This week, we get access to an Ivy League education. My guest this week is Dr. Sherry Gilbert, and she is a senior lecturer in communications at Auburn University. She's also the author of the upcoming book, Make It Happen, A Guide to Creating Life You Love and Not Settling for the One You Have. And in her classes, she asks her students this question, what would it look like for you to create your dream life? What would it look like? And is that something that you ever contemplated at 22? I'll bet it isn't. I bet it's something that you think about all the time now. But that's the journey that Sherry and I are going to talk about today. It is my pleasure and my honor to introduce to you Dr. Sherry Gilbert. Sherry, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you, Audra. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here with you today. Not only are you just this amazing, energetic individual, but you have a passion for not only your students and education, but for specifically for women to help them create their dreams. What was the motivation behind this idea of creating this dream? What, of all things, why that? Well, it really just came from my own personal experience. I felt like I had followed the path that I was expected to follow. After graduating high school, I went to college. I did internships. I worked my, my way through college. Then I went to grad school and got my first job after grad school, but I felt like, is this it? Is this all? I <laughs> I did all this work for this. And not that I didn't appreciate it. I appreciated what I was doing and the opportunities that I had. I enjoyed what I was doing, most of what I was doing, but I felt like there was something missing and there were still other goals that I had that, you know, I wanted to accomplish when I was in college. I wanted to write a book. I wanted to, to become an author. And I just felt like all of that kind of faded away once I started working and it felt like this is what I'm supposed to do and I have to put everything else on pause so that I can do this. And I think it took some reflection and as with many of us during the pandemic to really kind of rethink things and rethink what are we doing? What is it that we're spending our time toward and, and what is the goal? And so that is... Um, that was a, re a very reflective point in time for me to rethink about those dreams that I had years ago and what would it look like and what would it take for me to get there? So this is something that you started really thinking about for yourself on, okay, I've done all the things I'm supposed to do, but what are the things I really want to do? Exactly. What, what are those dreams that I had that 
I had before I did all the things I was supposed to do? And can I dust them back off and try and go for it? Exactly. How does that feel, by the way? Oh, my gosh. It, It was refreshing. It was really refreshing and exciting because even within this past year that I've unearthed my dream again of uh, dusted off my dream of writing a book and talking to people, interviewing people, experiencing things, going out and experiencing things that I'll have some inspiration for my book. It kind of took me back to when I was in college and I did those internships that were dream internships. My first journalism internship with Upscale Magazine and uh, with the entertainment editor. I had the time of my life and I made no money. (laughs) Not one cent. It was an unpaid internship, but it was the most fun. I actually got to do something that I loved. It wasn't the type of internship where picking up coffee or running errands for people in the company. And I appreciated that because when I first interviewed for that internship, the editor of the magazine sat with me and told me, this is not going to be an internship where you're running errands. You're going to be writing, which said to me, you're going to be doing what you love. And I was like, this is great, whether I'm paid or not. (laughs) And I had the time of my life just with that internship and uh, and with opportunities that led up to that, the semester before, I actually had applied for that internship um, about six months before I got it. And I planted that seed. And that's one thing I talk about in my book is you have to plant that seed. And sometimes when you plant a seed or anytime you plant a seed, there's a germination process. It may not come up and grow right then and there. It's going to take some time. But I was very thankful that that seed germinated and I took steps to prepare myself leading up to that internship. And uh, so fast forward to now with my book, Make It Happen, I'm interviewing and talking to people who are themselves making it happen, who are living their dream lives, who have stepped out on faith and said, you know what, this right here is good, but I want something more. I'm going to go after what it is that I really want and see where that lands me. And just talking to those people reminds me of of doing those interviews and doing those write-ups when I had that first internship where I wasn't getting paid anything. That's so exciting to me. And I'm so inspired by the stories and the people I've had a chance to chat with and interview for the book. I can't describe it. <laughs> I feel like I'm in college again in a way. So it's it's very refreshing and it's exciting to know that that passion is still there. I'm, I'm I feel like it confirmed the direction that I'm taking. So what is your dream? I know the book is part of it, but what is your dream? I have many dreams, Audra. The book is a part of the dream, but ultimately I want to create a life that I love. I want to enjoy every aspect of my life. I feel like for so long I looked at career as life or the majority of life. And in my conversations with other people, I noticed that the career is mainly what they talk about. But then I got to thinking, well, what if your career doesn't go too well? Or, you know, what if you're not satisfied in your career? And I've had periods of time and certain jobs where I wasn't really satisfied. 
But that's where I was spending most of my time. And that's where I was spending most of my energy. But what I really wanted to do was go sit with my family and talk and listen to music. What I really wanted to do was travel. What I really wanted to do is spend time with friends, plant a garden. (laughs) There are so many things that I wanted to do, but I felt like work was just taking over. I wasn't satisfied with that. That really disturbed me because I was just looking, looking forward and saying, well, where am I going to be in five years if this is it? If all of my life is, is mainly career, I don't want a career to take over my life. It's a part of my life. It's an important part of my life and one that I value and appreciate, but I didn't want it to be all of my life. And so that's where I became obsessed with this idea of how do I create a life where career is one part and I can still manage and have these other things that I enjoy and wake up and be happy every day. I mean, that is the dream, isn't it? Is that we are happy and fulfilled and energized and challenged throughout our life. We can't just be our jobs. Absolutely not. At one point in my life, I used to wear as a badge of honor the phrase, I am my job. And then as I've gotten older, and thanks to the pandemic, I had time to slow down and really think and analyze and decide, do I really want to be my job? (laughs) And the answer is... No, I really don't because that mean, means me that I'm single faceted. That means that you're single faceted. Right. And we're not. We're these multifaceted, fascinating, yes, dynamic, incredible human beings that we weren't just put here to go to work, pay bills, and die. Not at all. Oh, how dreadful. I mean, doesn't that sound just <laughs> so dreadful? Oh my goodness. It's boring. It's so boring. Oh my gosh. Anybody can do that. But we weren't, none of us were born to be just anybody. Right. So you have this amazing book that's coming out and you don't just stop at the, the amazing stories of the individuals that are in there that are in the process of making it happen. From what you and I have discussed, none of them are like, I'm here. I'm arrived. All of them are like, I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of making it happen, and I don't know how I'm going to do the next step, but I'm making it happen. But you have given some guidelines for those that are like, you know, Sherry, this sounds amazing, and it sounds a lot like me, but I'm so overwhelmed and I'm so covered up. I don't even know where to start, but you're Mm -hmm. like, I have inspiration. Yes. And what, tell us a little bit about that journey of the inspiration of walking through your guests that come to you as a, through your book that say, Sherry, I need help. I'm glad that you asked that because a part of this book is, is to tell the stories about other people, but also for readers to connect and to realize that they too can accomplish their dreams. These are not just stories for, for other people. These are examples. These are testimonies that provide confirmation that it's possible. And sometimes that's all we need to see is that it's possible. But I've also provided some steps. It's called the prep approach. I won't share all of the steps, but I will share one that is my favorite. So each letter in prep, P-R-E-P, stands for, it's an acronym for the tools that I teach within this approach. 
And my favorite one is the R. And R stands for relish. What do you think of when you think of relish? Oh, I think I am just in it. I am thoroughly enjoying this experience, this meal, this movie, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I am in it and I am 100% vested in whatever that is right in front of me. Exactly. And a lot of times when we focus on our goals and we're working towards something, we feel like we've got to work. Like that's all we got to do. We got to put all our effort and energy into making this dream happen. And we oftentimes forget or we don't allow ourselves rather to enjoy and to relish. And I think that's very important. I think that you get a lot of inspiration when you just take time to relish, to sit back and enjoy the present, where you are, to enjoy an outing, to enjoy a nice dinner, maybe enjoy a a short getaway. There was a point in time in my own life, even with teaching, where I would tell myself and my friends if they would invite me somewhere, oh, I can't go, I can't do anything until the end of the semester. And that's 16 weeks. That's four months months to put off fun. Four months. But I was so, again, focused on career. I got to do this career career thing right. I've got to put my energy into here. And I also started noticing other people in my surroundings and colleagues who weren't doing that. (laughs) You know, they would do their job, but they would take a trip. They would take a weekend and go somewhere. And at first I'm like, well, how could they do that? Like we're in the middle of the semester. (laughs) We're in the middle of testing and whatever's going on. But then later on, I'm like, well, why wouldn't I do that? Who wouldn't do that? You can't stop your life just because you're, you're working for your career. And so that was, again, another thing that I had to figure out. Well, how do I do career in life? Like they should be the same. It shouldn't be career over here in my life over here waiting on the sideline, waiting on pause. It it took me some time to work through that and to be comfortable with allowing myself to relish. It's just so important to enjoy. And we know, especially in the past few years, nothing is promised. Our time here is not promised. Nothing here is guaranteed. Nobody's obligated to do anything for us. Time is just precious. And we have to do everything we can to maximize the time that we have to create a life that we can look back on and really be happy with. You know, it's the only, it's the only asset that we have we can't make more of. We can make more money. We can get another job. We can buy more stuff. We can, there's more, we can always get more of anything, but time. But it's the the one thing that we seem to make, that we take lightly Mm -hmm. and and waste the most of. I mean, and and I'm guilty of that too. I mean, how many many hours have you wasted playing on your phone? My goodness. (laughs) I I, I am, I am guilty of that because it's a, it's, it's a, probably most people do it for the same reason I do is, is it's a stress reliever. It's a, it's right. a letdown. Mm-hmm. What else could I do? There's so many other things that I could do with that time than 
playing some stupid game on my phone that I never win. Right. And it's okay to take a mental break, you know, watch TV and, and, uh, you know, do something just to kind of be at ease and not have to think and work and and focus on something. But you're, you're very right. Uh, That's very true in that, you know, sometimes that can take over and it can become a distraction. That's another thing that I talk about with the prep approach is elimination. Elimination is what the E stands for in prep. And elimination is difficult. There's sometimes that we have people or situations or circumstances that come into our lives or, or in some way disrupt our lives. And we have to determine, okay, is this something or someone who stays or is this something or someone who goes? And that can be an, an, an emotional and difficult decision. But again, you have to focus on what's best for you and focus on what your ultimate dream and goal is. You know, one thing I learned being an educator, being a teacher, I feel like I learned so much. (laughs) I wrote a grant to participate in an active learning classroom series of workshops. One thing that I learned in there, I was very excited because at this point, Auburn was getting ready to build an attachment to the library that included smart rooms. And so they wanted to prepare us for working in that space, and also for active learning to further engage our students. And so during this workshop, we learned about Fink's backwards design approach. And this also is some information that I learned through my doctoral program at Auburn as well in the adult education program. And so the idea is that you take what it is you want the students to learn. What is it that you want them to be able to do and take with them once they finish your class? And then from there, you reverse engineer the class to figure out what do they need to do before that to get that to that goal? And then what step do they need to do before that step until you get to the beginning of the course? And then you have a full layout of how the course should be structured in order to achieve the goals for that class. That was fascinating to me. I had so much fun with that. I was like, oh, my students are going to love this. But really, I did want them to to love it. I want my students to be able to have something they can really take with them and that they can apply to their lives that beyond just something that we learned in a textbook and some keywords in a multiple choice quiz. After a while, I started to realize, well, this backwards design approach could work in my life. So I started creating a syllabus for my life. And for my goals, using that same approach, what is it that I want to achieve? Okay, I want to write a book. What do I need to do before that to make that happen? What do I need to do before that? And so I started applying that to my life. And through that approach, I was able to gain some traction and able to take steps that have allowed me at this point to be the upcoming author of a book. But that's just, again, one thing that I've learned from from teaching and just being open to experiences and being open to learning. I never wanted to be the type of teacher who was the know-it-all or who who wasn't open to learning from my students. I learned so much from my students, from other, from my colleagues at the university or speakers and guests who come in. I think there's always something that we can gain and learn and that can help us in, in our own lives in various ways. So what you're talking about is the journey. You, while the goal is important, you're saying, let's focus on the journey. Now that's backwards to what our, our culture is. 
Yes. Our culture is always reaffirming to us. It's always the goal. It's always the end goal. Only focus on the end goal. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, and I've learned this the hard way, that when I got to the goal, it wasn't fulfilling. I got there, but I celebrated for a very brief moment. And then it was, okay, what's the next goal? It's taken a long time to figure out that part of the journey to the goal, the important part is the journey. So how do you teach that? I mean, that's a completely different mindset. That is not Mm -hmm. something that is taught in industrialized society. I mean, that's why we sit in rows in classrooms. I mean, and why everything's so structured, but it's Mm -hmm. backwards. It is backwards. It's backwards, but it's a part of that relishing again. If we wait until the end of the 16 weeks, the end of the semester to celebrate, and that's, we have to think that far along, you're going to lose interest. You're going to lose engagement. You know, it's, it's hard to get students to think about what's going on the next day or the next week. You know, there's so many things that are going on in the life of a college student, just the life of a person in general. So to think that far, 16 weeks for the end of the semester, it's, it's way too long. So it's a challenge. And I'm always experimenting with things in the classroom to get students engaged. I have activities. We have impromptu. I think of activities on the way to class, walking from my car to the classroom. <laughs> Sometimes I did one this past spring semester and uh, it was for my professional presentations class, which is one of my favorite classes to teach. It's like an advanced speech class, but it's fun. And I just walked in. It was a Friday. I like to do activities on Fridays. So I tell my students at the beginning of the semester that every Friday we're going to do some type of activity to kind of summarize and, and conclude what we've talked about or apply what we've learned throughout the week. So it's usually something fun. So uh, for one, I planned an escape room. So there's in a series of activities that the students will have to do, and it, it puts to use our our knowledge of verbal and nonverbal skills. So it starts out nonverbal and they have to basically complete a crossword puzzle, but they can't use any resources. And it's based on terms and concepts that we've learned in the course. And they have to complete that individually, nonverbally. And so they're different levels. So it's kind of like a game. And then level two, still nonverbal, but they can work with a partner. Level three, nonverbal, but they can work with the class and they can use their resources. They can use a, a book online. And then at the final level, they can use verbal and nonverbal communication, their resources. And as soon as they finish the crossword puzzle, they're free to go. And I, I play like spooky music. So <laughs> like they're really trapped in the room. Like you can't leave until you finish this crossword puzzle. But just things like that. And I know sometimes they look at me like, what is she talking about? Like, what is she doing? <laughs> but they come back. They come back. And um, but yeah, I just think that you have to be creative. Think outside of the box. Try something different. I walked in one Friday and I said, you know what? I want you all to come up with your own talk shows today. I want you to get in groups and I want you to come up with your own topic. And I set some tables up in the front of the room and in each of their groups, they came up with a theme, all, you know, all types of things. And they led a panel discussion and had like their own show with whatever they wanted to talk about. 
And I'd much rather them do that and have some fun and, and let loose than to have a speech with very strict guidelines. Now, we do still have speeches with strict guidelines, but <laughs> we have a mix of activities so that they can get comfortable with speaking, that they can, so that they can get comfortable and, and kind of relish in this process, in this journey of learning. And, and what does it feel like for me to stand up in the front of the classroom and, and to be relaxed and to talk about something I love and to laugh? I want them to experience that because the more comfortable they are in that space, By the time they get up to give that speech, the formal speech, they'll be ready for it. You're teaching them relish. I'm teaching them relish. I should rename the class. Yes. (laughs) You are teaching them relish. You are teaching them to enjoy the journey. And what you're describing to me is that you are reinforcing their, their ability to have critical thinking skills, the ability to think on their feet. The ability to work with someone that they don't know, that may be different from them, and to communicate in ways that they don't normally communicate. You are teaching them how to relish the journey. That's what we need more of. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you back on your heels. Why are you so audacious that you ask your students to create a life that they dream of? Because that is bold. And I bet no one has ever asked them to do that. I ask my students to think about the dream life that they would like to live or their dream goal. And I ask them that usually early on in the semester, the first week of of class. Because I want them to get out of the mind frame of... I'm here for a speech class. You're not just here for a speech class. You're not just here for a grade. You have some goals. You have some dreams. You have something that you want to accomplish. And this is just one step on the journey. This is going to help you. And I want them to make that connection between what they're doing in this class and what it is that they want to accomplish outside of this class. Because I feel like if they can focus on that, they won't be so nervous about this class because they're going to be excited about their dream. Because life is not linear. I, I wish that I was taught that in college, that life is not linear. It is it is three steps forward, two steps back. Sometimes you're going oh, yes. sideways, sideways. Oh, my goodness. Sometimes you're underground. And Have mercy. Sometimes you are flying high. But it is never, ever a linear pace. Never. So you might as well enjoy it along the way. But we are, might as well. We're so concerned about what's at the end that we forget about what's in the middle. And that's what I love about not only your class and what you're teaching your students, but what you are pouring into your book is is that's part of it. It's you're gonna fail. And I and by the way, I should preface that the, the audience has heard me say this multiple times. I don't believe in failure. I do not. I think the only failure that there is in life is not doing. That's it. It's the only failure. Everything else is learning opportunities. Well, that way didn't work. I'll try a different way. But I don't believe in failure. I also no longer believe in making and being afraid to make mistakes. Oh, yes. 
And that's all freeing. Oh, so freeing. That's so freeing. Perfection is boring and exhausting. And that's another thing I share with my students. Like, you're going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. (laughs) Nobody's exempt from making mistakes. But you know what? We're going to keep going. And I ask them, what are you going to do when you make a mistake? What are you going to do when you get up here to give your speech and your mind goes blank? Or you forgot your laptop? Or you trip up and fall and face plant? In front of the room, what are you going to (laughs) do? What are you going to do? Because we're not perfect. No. I mean, the greatest example of that is Jennifer Lawrence at the Oscars. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) She won an Oscar. And she's super excited. And she's trudging up those stairs in that big, beautiful gown. And she face plants. (laughs) And she gets up. And she smiles. Yes. And gets the award anyway. Still still a winner. Still you can still be a winner. Still winner. She just face planted <laughs> on the way. If that is not a great example of life, nothing is. But just get up and and you know, enjoy the ride. My daughter taught me the greatest example of this. She was at her university. And she was like most universities. They don't Mm -hmm. allow cars on the university. So they're either biking Mm -hmm. or skateboarding or scootering. You know, you're on a campus. You know what they do. Right. She's skateboarding. And she hits a rock and goes flying, you know, skids, the whole thing. You know, it's and she does it right in front of the volleyball team. Oh, my goodness. And they're practicing. And they turn around and they're all concerned. Everybody sees it. They are all concerned. They all turn around. Are you okay? She stands up and she does a pose like she just finished a dismount. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And I, when she told me this story, I smiled and I said, that is the greatest thing I have ever heard you do. And she's like, what mom, I was embarrassed. I was like, but you were proud of that you failed and you you fell and you got back up and you're like, I did it. And she and got back fell. up. <laughs> and she owned it. And she absolutely owned it. So that, the, that visual of her doing that stays with me all the time. And so anytime I screw up, I dismount. <laughs> dismount. I, I absolutely <laughs> Give the dismount pose. Oh my goodness. I'm going to remember that. I think I want to do that. I want to try the dismount. (laughs) Next time I make a mistake. (laughs) I do it all the time. Um, I want you to tell us the story about the wedding with your students. Yes. So no one would ever expect a wedding at the end of a semester. But one thing that I do in my class, professional presentations, which is an advanced speaking class, is I have my students for their final, instead of taking a final exam, I have them to create a program that I've named the final toast. And the final toast is a ceremony in which the students come up with a theme And they come up with speaking roles for each person in the class. So every single person has a role in the final toast. Everyone has a speaking role in the final toast. 
So I'm always excited to see what themes they come up with. And for the past few years, they've kind of chosen similar themes. We've had holiday themes. We've had a, a tacky holiday sweater theme. We've had a New Year theme. We've had award ceremonies. We've had a luau. This semester, my students decided that they wanted to have a spring wedding reception. Last thing I was expecting, but you know, I have a set of rules on the rubric and I'm like, as long as you can meet these instructions and these requirements, whatever else you do, you know, within reason, um, ethically speaking, is fine with me. So we go with the, the spring wedding reception and they chose a, a bride and groom. They had a, a parents of the bride and groom. They had groomsmen. They had bridesmaids. They had, I think, like a party animal uncle. <laughs> and they had <laughs> celebrity. Everybody has that uncle. I'm telling Everybody you. Everybody has that uncle. But it was just so interesting to see how they brought their different personalities out in these characters. And they were still, again, doing what I wanted them to do was to get up and speak. That's that's the goal for this class is to build that confidence before over anything else. I tell them at the uh, at the beginning of the semester, my goal for you is to build your confidence in public speaking, not concerned about your grade. Great if you get an A, but I want you to be confident when you get up to speak. And so they pulled it off. They got dressed up. They uh, we had flowers. We had fresh flowers on the table, table coverings. They uh, they actually contributed to a fund to get catering from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and uh, and it was a morning. Our final is scheduled by the university. So ours was scheduled for eight o'clock in the morning. So it was a very early wedding reception, but <laughs> we made do with our our breakfast offerings. And they did such a great job, had so much fun with it. And it was just, it kind of was reminiscent of in school, in elementary school, how you would have an end of school year party. That's kind of the idea that I had with this. I want us to go out with a bang. I want us to go out with a, a smile and feeling like you've accomplished something. You accomplished something that you thought was very hard. Getting up to speak is very challenging. That's very nerve wracking for anyone. It doesn't matter what level you are. It doesn't matter if you're in a leadership position or not. I've seen people at all levels get nervous. And I've been there myself. I was terrified of public speaking. I don't tell my students. I, I, I do tell my students that. <laughs> to be well, transparent. They know, <laughs> they know now. But I was terrified of public. I was so terrified of public speaking that I transferred schools in undergrad to avoid a speaking engagement that I was obligated to as a leader of an organization I was in. I was that scared. Wow. I ended up transferring back and I ended up doing that speaking engagement. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that was the level of fear that I had. So I know, I know that it's, I know that it's challenging and, and so many people avoid taking a class like that. So I always commend them just for signing up and for showing up. The reason why I asked you to describe that is because you are making it happen. It's not just the title of the book. It's not just the the steps or the stories that you are sharing. You are living 
what you are doing. And you would openly admit you are in the process. You are in the middle. You are in the journey. But you are making it happen. You are you are bringing your full self to life, not just your job. But what's beautiful about that is that you're bringing your whole self to your job too. You're not leaving parts of it at home. Absolutely. And, and you're teaching your students to do that too. You're teaching them to dream big, think outside yes. the box and not follow this linear path that they think they need to be, or they think they need to do. You've given them this opportunity to think that there are so many things that are possible on this planet. Literally the only thing that stands between you and that is you. And you're making it possible. I know that your class is, is an advanced communication class. It needs to be renamed. <laughs> it needs to be renamed. It needs to be, take this class if you want to live a life that is worth living. Because My goodness. I'm going to teach you how to do it. And right. tell me again when this book comes out. This book comes out this summer, before the end of the summer, 2023. It's coming out. And uh, I'm very excited about it. And I'm glad that you pointed that out about my students. I think it's very important to be transparent in the classroom. I think you have to be, to some degree, authentic and transparent in the classroom because, one, they're going to know if you're not. (laughs) And they'll be able to connect more with you if they see that you are an authentic person, if they see that you do have dreams, if they see that you do have goals in a life outside of the classroom, you don't have to reveal every aspect in detail because, you know, they don't need to be in all of your business. But to show that, hey, I have I have something that I'm really working toward. When I decided I was going to work on this book and I, I had the title, I had the book cover and I was all in. Aside from my family. My students were the next group of people to know this is what I was doing. And we spend the most time together. We, we meet typically two to three days a week. And so there's a lot of opportunity to talk and catch up. And so they were some of the first people I shared this news with that I was writing this book and I introduced myself to them as the author of this upcoming book. And before I could finish, they started giving me an applause and I, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> But it was so encouraging. And I'm just very fortunate and blessed to be in a position to teach and learn, to give and receive within the classroom. That's how education should be. It should be a mutual relationship because they're spending a lot of time and a lot of money to be there. It should be a well-rounded experience. They should see their professors as human and that they are these well-rounded individuals that aren't just university professors, that they aren't just teaching a class. They're not just trying to check a box. And you're reaffirming that with your students because you are demonstrating to them that it is never too late to go chase some big, crazy dreams that, that, that haunt you in the middle of the night. Oh yes. Cause they never go away. Never. I promise you they will come. They will track you down in your sleep. <laughs> oh, and it gets louder and louder and it literally grabs you 
by the mm-hmm. throat and says, I am not going away until you do something about me. So you can either mm-hmm. continue to ignore me and be miserable. Right. Or you can chase me and enjoy the journey along the way. And you're, yes. you're not just giving them permission to do this. You're giving them a roadmap. I mean, that is a big deal. And like I said, it is never, ever too late to go and chase big, fat dreams. Never too late. And I know that your passion is your students, but it's also women. And I hope through this conversation that the women that we're talking to, the women that have those those dreams that are just sitting there, that are just percolating, Mm -hmm. And some of them have reached the level of I'm roaring in your ears. Yes. I'm hoping that they hear that you're living it too. Mm -hmm. And that they can do it too. You absolutely can do it. And I'll just say you must do it. You must do it. You were put on a planet for a purpose. Right. And also, I think sometimes we don't realize that our journeys us following our dreams encourages others. It provides that roadmap or that testimony for others to see, oh, well, I can do this too. Like, how did that happen? How did she do that? There are a lot of things that have happened. And I've realized several instances, examples of things that when I was younger or even in college or grad school, things that's like, oh, that can never happen. But it happened because I, I asked. I asked somebody or I I spoke up or I I took some step toward it. I got to do a one-on-one interview with Otis Williams, the founder of legendary musical group, The Temptations. How did that happen? Yeah, how did that happen? (laughs) How did that happen? You probably just asked. I just asked. I was working on a project. I have a music background, if you can't tell. And I was working on a project in grad school And a lot of my projects, I somehow infused music, incorporated music in some way. And it was a communication theory class. I wanted to do an uh, analysis of the Temptations song, Ball of Confusion. And it just so happened that the Temptations were performing maybe 30 minutes in a town down the road from Auburn. I went to grad school in Auburn as well. I had no idea. I didn't know many people there. But I just asked one of my coworkers. I worked in the study hall in the athletics department at Auburn. And one of my colleagues who was from that area and, and sat at the front desk and was just very friendly and, and just knew so many people around. I just I just thought to ask her, I was like, would you happen to know anyone who could get me in touch with Otis Williams? <laughs> and she said, let me check and see. I may know someone. And before the end of that day was out, she gave me a call and said she got in touch with someone who got in touch with someone and and said, what you'll need to do is you need to show up at this particular place at this particular time and you'll get to talk with him. And I, I did everything I had to do. I took off work. I put on the best clothing I could put together, the best outfit I could. I got my little recorder, combed my hair over. And I took off and I was there at that spot at that time. And I got to talk with 
Otis Williams. It was only one question, but that's all, <laughs> that's all that mattered. I got to talk with him face to face and I grew up listening to oldies and my parents are baby boomers. So we kind of grew up in this capsule. <laughs> I feel like we grew up in this capsule of uh, just music, timeless music in our household. So I have a very sentimental and close connection to music, but particularly oldies and, and those older groups that were so legendary. So it was just, oh my gosh, I was elated that I got to talk with with Mr. Otis Williams. That was, and all just because I asked, all just because I took a chance and asked. So maybe chasing those big fat dreams just simply starts with asking for them. You can't be afraid to ask for help. Oh my gosh. Sherry, I want I want to go to Auburn and take your class. Where <laughs> I just want to take your class because I want you to teach a class. <laughs> <laughs> You're on. You're on. <laughs> I, oh my gosh. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and this amazing opportunity to talk to you about chasing dreams and being open to the possibility of actually getting there and enjoying the journey along the way. The one thing you didn't say, but we should affirm it now, it's not going to be easy. It's never easy. It's not going to be easy. Even when you went to go speak to Otis Williams, it was not easy, but it was worth it. It's definitely worth it. It's not easy. You're going to stumble along the way. It's going to take some time. Um, But I'm also a very prayerful person as well. Um, I did grow up in a Christian household. And I do believe that there is a big God that I serve. That is a big part. I mean, of course, we have the method and I have the approach and everything. But that really is central to making it happen from my perspective is having that faith in a higher power who can do any and everything, who can do all things. And all you have to do is is have that faith and plant that seed, nurture it, sometimes make sacrifices, eliminate things that need to be eliminated, but stay true and stay on that path and you'll reach your goal. This has been such an amazing conversation. Um, if the audience would like to reach you, where can they do that? Yes. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing from um, I'm looking forward to hearing from everyone about the book. And if you want to reach me, you can reach me at Sherry S H E R R I E at the Make It Happen And your website is make it make it happen as well. Yes, the Make It Happen Oh my gosh, I cannot wait to read these stories and learn a little bit more about you and the methods that you go through and have teaching. You're teaching these live to your students and you are encouraging and giving passion to these young and next generation that hopefully will be big dreamers and not be afraid to chase them and not be stuck doing what they think they have to do and incorporate what they want to do. Thank you for being a world changer and spending some time with us today. I truly appreciate it. And I've enjoyed every single second. It's been my pleasure, Audra. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you. And thank all of you for listening. And we'll see you again next time. This is just the beginning.
that's our show. I am so grateful for each and every one of you and your unwavering support and your continued belief in this movement that has become much bigger than me, much bigger than just a podcast. It has become this forward momentum that we are all doing together. If you are ready or you know somebody that is, that is ready to tell your story and share your value with the world, please connect with me. You can reach me at audra at womeninthearena.net. I am so honored and thankful that you will share your story with me and I'll make sure that it is well taken care of. I will never stop thanking each and every one of you and I cannot wait to talk to you again next week as we share another woman's story and we celebrate her doing extraordinary things in plain sight. We'll see you next time.